All right, so I'm going to let you turn in your Bibles. And our verses are John 1, 4 to 5 today, but I'm going to read all the ones we've done so far. So I'm going to read 1 John, or sorry, not 1 John, sorry, John. It's the last of the gospel. So in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And I'm going to read chapter 1, so big number 1 from verse 1 all the way down to little number 5. And God's word says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. This is the word of the Lord. All right, thank you, Stacy. Well, good morning, Riverside, good morning. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Jerrion Wilson. Everybody here calls me Jay Will, and I'm a church planting resident. Um, we're in the process of planting a church in uh, the Eau Claire community. Um, I wanna take a moment to say how much I love uh, Riverside because we have people in here who actually go spelunking, and black people don't spelunk, so that's a perfect thing, you know, that's, we have a very diverse group of people who do some things and think it's really fun and other people that think they're crazy. So, <laughs> praise God, we're a family who think differently, who enjoy different things, but we still serve and worship the same God. <clears throat> uh, this morning, as I stand before you, uh, I said in our first service, and I'll say it again to you, um, if you came to hear somebody speak profoundly, and tell you something you've never heard before and give you uh, new directions for your life or some uh, uh, divine uh, purpose that you couldn't find for your life and yourself and you're looking for a motivational speaker, um, I'm sorry, I'm gonna fail you. I'm gonna fail miserably, honestly, uh, because I'm going to point to the one we all find hope in um, and it might not be a very big motivational speech, but I really hope that we can really find life at the end of this. Speaking of motivational speakers and uh, self-help, uh, I personally do like some self-help books. One of my favorite self-help books is a book called Who Moved My Cheese? Um, I can't remember the author, but the whole point of the book was about four mice who were in a maze together, and they were this one point where they were eating cheese, and over time, the cheese started diminishing and diminishing until one day, and there was no more cheese. Two mice, they went on and found the great big cheese, and the other two mice were left there thinking, who moved my cheese? And it's supposed to be all about uh, noticing when change is coming and being able to find, uh, to find life and to improve yourself. It's kind of interesting that self-help books have been on the rise in the past 10 years. Um, over last year alone, we've had 180 million self-help books sold. But what's also interesting is that self-help books have been on the rise, we still have over 180 million people who struggle with depression and they feel no purpose in life. And that's just 2019, that's not including 2020 and all the baggage that this year has to bring. Obviously, self-help has some inadequacies that isn't really helping us as much as we would hope it would. 
And there's nothing wrong with self-help. We all should be striving to improve. But if self-help and these gurus and these uh, YouTube influencers and TikTok talkers, I don't know, I'm, I'm old now, I said TikTok talkers. But I, if they're the ones we're looking for, for hope, uh, they're going to all leave us feeling kind of helpless. And they're not going to feed into that part that's longing for something great, for something more, something that gives us life more fulfillment. Again, if you're coming today to hear a self-help guru, I hate to tell you, I'm going to disappoint, but I pray that I do lead you and show you the one who truly does give us a purpose for life and where we could put our hope in as someone who will bring life and the fullness of it into existence. So, as we dive into this, uh, would you pray with me that, I, the rev- that we reveal the truth of this light that came into the world? Please, pray with me. Father, as I stand up here before your people, I am unable to show them or tell them something that is going to uh, improve their life drastically if it's not pointing and showing them you. So I pray today, Father, that you meet us here that you speak through your word, that you show yourself strong and mighty, that you help us to see you clear today. Illuminate your word to your people and transform our hearts. Not just give us a temporary motivation, but give us a, a form of transformation where we are a new people, having new desires, having an eternal perspective, running after what you care about, looking to you as the author and finisher of our faith, as the one we can put all of our hope and trust in. Help us to build our life on you as our firm foundation as we sung earlier. Allow me to get out the way so you can speak clearly. Open the eyes of the blind, open the ears of those who need to hear, and allow this word to fall on fertile ground, Father. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. So in your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we're diving into uh, the prologue. Uh, it's the first chapter of John, the first 18 verses. Historically, this is not normally a, 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 the way we're preaching through it. It's not the way you normally preach through it as in by break, by break, but usually it's the whole thought of the overall prologue. But we're doing what Riverside does. Riverside does things a little differently. So last week, James gave you an overview of what John was trying to communicate in the beginning of his text. And this week, I kind of get to jump back towards what James says, but bring you a little more. So we're starting in verses four and five is where we'll be uh, spending most of our time. And let me give you the heads up. We don't have slides, so I will give you time to go through the text with us. Uh, You might have to flip through your Bible. If you don't know where it's at, just ask the person beside you. Hopefully they can help you. Or if you got your phones, good job. (laughs) But today we're going to focus on the light that verses four and five and jumping down to verse nine is in him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And down in verse 9, it says, The true light, 
which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. John starting off his gospel kind of declaring, in a sense, uh, pointing back to Genesis. He's making it very similar to the way the beginning of the Bible is written itself. It starts off, it says, in the beginning was the Word. What Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, God. Giving you a clear parallel that the one we're talking about right now was the one that was here before anything else was here. The one in the very beginning. And then he goes on to talk about who was God. So it was in the beginning, the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, kind of showing this plural plural thought of God, his thoughts, his ways was in the very beginning, but his thoughts and his ways were also connected closely with the Father. So it's the Father and the Son having co-unity together. He's saying this was the very way it was in the beginning. And then it goes on to talk about and how all things were made through him. So now we're pointing again back to the creative nature of God in the very beginning. And now in verses 4 and 5, it's pointing back to in the beginning when God said, let there be light. The way that God, who was before all things, came into this dark and void and, and, and place of no creation, nothing, and he spoke, and all things came into be, and that's where all life started. Now he's saying, let me tell you about the one that's about to come who's starting life again. He was declaring the good news and not this, this message of this is where you can go to find a better life and find your better existence now, but he was declaring a gospel, a good news. Tim Keller says it's best. He says, the gospel is good news. It's not good advice. So as John was talking, he wasn't telling of this advice of what was coming. He was telling of this good news of what was coming because this is the difference between advice and news. Advice equals what we should do. News report what was done for us. So here's John reporting this great news of light and life is coming. It's stepping into the broken and dark void of our life and it's about to invade and give direction to a better life. Pointing to my first point, God's life gives direction to finding true life. John was saying that true life was coming in. It was about to invade into this dark place where all these people found hopeless. They didn't know what was was going to be the end result. They were longing for something. Israel at that time had been longing for 400 years for somebody to give them a sense of hope. And here is John writing, life has stepped in. Light has stepped in to this dark form. And he's declaring to us, light has stepped into the dark place that you're longing. In John chapter 8, later on, uh, John chapter 8, again, I'm going to give you time to get there, verse 12, we see Jesus declaring himself as that light. John chapter 8, verse 12, and it reads, And Jesus spoke to them, saying, speaking to the Pharisees and all those who were trying to find their own help, create their own way of directing their life. He said, no, 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 I am the light of the world. 
Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light, a life. Here it is, John, who starts off saying, light's coming, and that's where life is found, and then later on, Jesus saying, I'm here. And this is where you find life. And only when you follow me is where you follow, find light and find life. David, the kind of foreshadowing of this great king who was coming to give life, he said that word that is coming is where I find he's the one that gives me direction. Jump to Psalms verse uh, 119 verse 105. Psalms 119 verse 105. He's declaring who this word is and what this word is coming to do. He said, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. David, who didn't get to meet Jesus in the flesh on this side, more than likely met him later on the other side, but he's saying this is the word that we're looking for, the one who's going to give direction, and I'm already longing and believing he's the one that's going to give me life. He's the light that guides my path. He's the one who gives me direction. Riverside, many of us today are looking for something and someone to give us direction. And can I tell you, all the self-help books we read, all the politicians we put our hopes in, all the policies we long for, all the, all the people who stand in this pulpit, if you look at us and say, those are the ones that's going to give me direction, you're looking the wrong place. You're looking in the wrong place. Place. No, this light that John is declaring is the one who's going to give direction. But see, this light doesn't just shine forward. It also turns around and it shines at us. In verses 3 and 4, I mean 4 and 5, it says, um, In him was life, and the light was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness does not overcome it. In some, in some translation, that literally means that the darkness does not comprehend it. The darkness does not understand this light that's shining. Some of us who are stuck in darkness, who are stuck in our ways, who are looking every other way for light, when the light shines on us, we don't realize we're rejecting it because it's revealing our sin. Light works two ways. It, as Stacy said earlier, it both directs and it exposes. It shows us what's in the room, but it also shows us what's wrong in the room. And the light that came into the world was not just to give us direction for life, but it was the one that was going to expose the wrong in our life so it could help us find the right way to pursue life. John wrote later on, in one of his epistles, as an older man, we believe this is the same John who wrote the Gospel of John, who wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. In 1st John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, he's talking about the message that he, declaimed, he proclaimed. He said, the me- this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him no darkness at all. In him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is the light, 
we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. This light that John is declaring that has revealed himself in the world has shown a direction for all who would trust in him, but it also has revealed the sins of all those who come before him. And it reveals the sins of those who reject him. My question for you this morning is, is it revealing the sins that you need to turn away from and repent and run towards the light so he can make you clean? Or is it revealing the sins that keep you exactly away from it? Are you one of the dust bunnies under the bed like Stacy showed earlier? Are you somebody who said, I want to be made whole, I want to be made clean? If you're one of those who want to be made clean and made whole, then you come into the light and it gives you a perfect fellowship with the Father. And as he's giving you perfect fellowship with him as he's cleaning you, it gives you better fellowship with your fellow man, with your brothers and sisters in Christ. A small group is the light that's shining in our small groups, revealing sins that's keeping us from building relationship with one another. Are there things we're trying to hide from this light and avoid stepping into the light about because we don't want to be revealed? See, we can't have his light and not be revealed. We can't have his grace and try to hold on to our sins. We can't live in the darkness yet say we walk in the light. And see, this is because God is trying to hurt us by exposing us, but it's because he loves us. And here's a famous verse that we love to quote so often, John 3.16. Tim Tebow used to have it under his eyes at all when he played. It's for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, he should not perish but have eternal life. We love that part. This is where I'm finding true life. But we don't like to go down the next few verses. Let's read the entirety of that thought from verse 17 through 21. John 3, 16 verses, John 3, 16 through 21, we've already read 16, 17 says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. He shines the light so we could be saved. And whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. Listen to this judgment. The light has come into the world. The one who's given us direction, who's giving us a fullness of life, who's promised us in him we can find light. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hate the light and does not come to the light, lest his works be, should be exposed. So John later on is telling us, if you have trusted in this God who shines a light on your world, this is where you find eternal light, eternity, eternity. This is where you find eternal life. But it means that the darkness has to be exposed. And if you love your darkness so much, if you love your sin so much, where you continue to push against this life, you've already condemned yourself. Finishing out at verse 21, but he says, but whoever does what is true comes to the light. 
so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And this season, as we have been, many of us have been longing for hope and looking for a place where we could put our trust and find life. Have we been looking to all the other places because we didn't want our darkness exposed? Because we didn't want the, the truth, the things that we think about, those things that we kind of hold on to and don't want to let go of? Have we been running to every other voice to find life and literally leaving us in a place of despair, depression, because we don't want to be exposed? If so, I cry out to you, Run to the one who gives life, the one who shines the light to give direction. And yes, he will expose you, but that's a loving thing he's doing. That's a gracious thing he's doing. So you must repent, turn away from those things that are separating you from this loving God, and run to the one who is offering you true life. And as he's washing you, cleaning you. We do this by receiving his spirit. He doesn't say, come to me and get yourself together. He says, come to me and I'll put you together. I'll make you better. But this is only done through regeneration of the spirit and a continual washing from his loving hands. Told you earlier, I, I probably wouldn't say something that profound. And some of you might be like, why is he even up here talking about it? We get it, Jesus. Got it. I can go home now, right? But there's many who hear this message and they think this is the craziest thing. This is what Paul calls the foolishness of the cross. Who in their right mind would want to run to the, the, the means of death in a sense to find life? Who want to run to a bloody, beaten Savior because that's who promises life? Paul says the, the cross is foolish to those who's perishing, but those who's receiving life, it is the greatest news. It's the most wonderful news. And Paul wasn't the only one that said it. Jesus said the exact same thing. Jumping to John chapter 6, verse 63 through 69, he had just fed the multitude. They had just seen him deliver, uh, uh, feed 5,000, and they were following him, saying, look at this great king. Look how powerful and mighty he is. And God and, and Jesus saying, those who follow me must eat of my flesh, the flesh that will be broken, that will be Set apart that we be blood that would be spilled for you. And he and then in verses 63 through 69, look at this exchange. It says, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no health at all. The words that have spoken to you are spirit and life. But then as he's telling them this, he says, But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe, and who it was who would betray him. And it's kind of funny that Jesus, who should be the greatest, I believe he was the greatest communicator of all time, obviously had people who still walked away after he preached the message. Verse 65, it says, And he said, This is why I've told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted 
by the Father. Literally, the Spirit has brought you back to life, made you new, drew you, and shown you this light. And after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Even Jesus, after preaching that only here is where life is found and you will have to eat of what I tell you to eat, you will have to partake of what I will do for your, on your behalf. Even he had some who turned away and walked away. But those who've been re- reborn, that the Spirit has done a work in their heart and they realize this is the only place where life is found, where the light of man has found me. Look what happened when Jesus turned to those faithful few. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter, always shown as kind of the leader of the disciples and leader, leader of the 12, he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. My question to you today, Riverside, is have you come to know that he is the Holy One of God? That the creator that was there in the beginning is the one that we can truly find life in if we put all of our hopes in and be okay that as he's directing, he's revealing our sins so we could be made new. Have you received the gift of his spirit that's renewing you and rejuvenating and creating you a new person? being fully justified through the works of Jesus, but being sanctified slowly as he reveals more and more of the darkness that's in you. That's you today. This is good news. That the one who gave life, the one who breathed life into all creation, came and gave his life so that now in him we can have the fullness of life. You can find the true direction of life. And we don't have to run to our self-help gurus. Don't have to run to the motivational speakers. We don't have to hear sermons that quote-unquote motivate us for change, but we can find the one who is truly transformed and is changing us right now. Because he laid it all down so we could have all that life has to offer here and later to come. If you're looking for your greatest life now, and you have no eternal perspective or eternal hope. I said it a few weeks ago, well, this is as good as it gets. And all of us are suffering right now. But for the believer, for those who have turned to him and they have found their true life in them, in him, this is as bad as it gets for us, baby. The sky's the limit, literally. From, uh, it's only up from here. One day we will be made whole and glorified in the one who has been glorified on our behalf. Who was laid on a wooden cross, beaten and broken, so our sins can be acquitted on him. It could be put on him. He became the full propitiation for our sins so we could be made whole and find a full life, the real fullness of life in him. 
And he didn't stay dead. I love what he said to Mary and Martha when Lazarus died. Jesus said to her in, verse, in, chap, in chapter 11, of, uh, in verses 25 through 26 of John, he said, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. He left her with this question, do you believe this? And I leave you with that question this morning. Do you believe this? Is this the one that you've put your faith and hope in? Is this the one who has really won the victory on your behalf? Or is this just another guru you're looking for? If you haven't believed that yet, today is the day that you can believe this. You can find the fullness of your life and the life that was laid down on your behalf. You can be made holy today in this dark and broken world because the light came in to give us life. And for those who have believed this already, we should celebrate and be always happy and just full of joy and full of praise to the great work that's been done on us on our behalf and be willing to go and tell everybody, I was in the darkness, yet I have light now. I was a dead man, yet I found life. So I leave you with this. Like I like, like, I like to leave y'all with sticky notes, you know. Sticky notes, for those of this your first time hearing about a sticky note, uh, the way I say sticky notes is everybody has a sticky note at the bottom of their computer screen at work. Helps them to remember something that's important. It's a simple sticky note. It's a truth that I've, I hope I've said quite a few times. Those who found Jesus' light finds the fullness of life. If you have found Jesus' light, or better yet, if it has found you, you have now gained access to the fullness of life, a treasure that you will never be able to comprehend on this side of eternity. Do you believe this? Let me pray for us. Father, I pray that is our hope that we have found the fullness of life in your Son and the perfect gift that was laid down on our behalf. While we were yet sinners, you sent your only begotten Son into the world to rescue us from us, creating a way of escape so that now that we can become citizens of a good and glorious kingdom. Father, for this year, as many of us have struggled with hopelessness and despair and just all that 2020 has brought, pray that we look to you as the life that gives true life. That we find our fullness in you. That we put our hope in you. That we trust in the work that's been done on our behalf. Father, I pray that your word has been preached clearly today, that those who had ears to hear heard, Father, and that we are all see you.
more beautiful, more glorious, more worthy of our worship. So Father, lift this time up to you as we can go into more worship this morning. Let it be a sweet aroma to your nose and a pleasant sound to your ears. And that your spirit continues to move in our hearts and meet us here. And all these things we pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand and worship with us.